I'm Allison, I think. And our only goal with this podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen. Whether it's by laughing at us, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful, we hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I'm here with the one, the only, the sexy. He is texting and doing something else on his phone. Wait, looking what are you at, doing? Looking at reviews. Get off my back. <laughs> Mr. Eric Robertson. Get off my back. Oh my gosh. Defensive. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, holy crap, you're in for a treat. If this is your 177 time listening, that means that you've listened to all 177 episodes because this is episode 177, Decluttering Your Motherhood with Rachel Nielsen. Huzzah. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. I would have loved if we had gotten this episode up a little bit sooner because Rachel is talking about a course in this. It was Mother's Day, all of that. It would have been so great, but that didn't happen. But it's up right now. And if you're not a mom, this is still really, really, really awesome information. Yeah. You I'm listened a, to it. I'm a dad. I gained a lot. Spike's scratching and flopping around. Spike, take it easy, bud. <laughs> this this conversation was so impactful and helped so much for me um, that I quoted Rachel and this conversation, like the next four conversations I had. So I know that you guys are going to find a lot in this. And I just want to say I love Rachel so much. She does a podcast called 3 and 30. If you have not heard of that podcast, you are going to freak and love it. So check that out. Let's just hop right into the conversation because it is so good and we are just so lucky to have Rachel. Rachel, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast because you are such a wealth of knowledge. And how many episodes have you done? And if you don't know, that's okay. But of three and 30 takeaways for moms. About 300. And you started your podcast after I started my podcast. Yes. Because I remember talking to you about starting your podcast. Yes. And I have not even 200 episodes. So I'm really impressed by you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. In general, I'm not a very consistent person in most areas of my life. But when it comes to my podcast, I've been very consistent. So I think yes. I'm proud of myself yeah. for that. Yeah, it's a huge victory. And I was talking with a friend yesterday and she was like teasing because everybody has a podcast and she's, but most people don't keep doing their podcast. Yes. <laughs> so it's awesome. And your podcast, I know, has helped so many people not just feel more confident and competent as a mom, but as a human being, which let's face it, that's what moms are, human beings. <laughs> yes. Yes. And if you don't feel confident and competent as a human being, it will bleed out and make motherhood a lot harder. So I really hope that's comes through in all of my work that this isn't just about motherhood. This is about womanhood, personhood, mm. knowing yourself deeply and then giving the best of yourself to the people you love is the whole point. Yeah, I love that. And that's why I'm so excited. So this is going to go up the week of Mother's Day. And because we do everything last minute here on the Awesome with Allison podcast. I love it. You right now have a course that you're yes. launching and yes. it's called Declutter Your Motherhood. I wanted to hear about this course, but I also want to hear about, because I'm jumping to a lot of conclusions, but 
you have so much over 300 episodes of experience interviewing expertise learning from other people also your own lived experience so you've taught workshops in-person workshops online workshops you've really spent a lot of time working with moms and with parents if you're not a mom or a parent and you're listening just keep listening because it's all going to be applicable and good this concept of declutter your motherhood i love it it's sounds good. It sounds inviting. I'm interested. Tell me, just tell me, because I, I didn't look at it at all. Cause I was like, I just want Rachel to tell me. <laughs> okay. Perfect. I love it. So my idea for the course came several many years ago. Now, 2018, I had one of my best friends who's a professional organizer came to my home and we deeply organized and cleaned up my whole house, which was amazing. And this whole weekend while we were working together, I realized that so many of my physical items held shoulds for me. I was like, why do I own this? And oh, because I think I thought that a good mom should want to do this with her kids or should be excited about cooking or should. And so it was hard to let go of some of the physical things because of the underlying expectations of myself. And so it was incredibly healing to go through and just start pitching stuff and saying, I'm not that kind of mom. I'm not that kind of person. I don't value this. I don't care about it. And it's okay because the kind of mom that I am is good and I am good. And so we had this weekend long transformative experience of doing it in my physical space. And I decided I want to take this to women as an internal declutter where they could use the same principles that you use to declutter a physical space, but apply it to all of the heavy expectations that they're carrying around for themselves and the things that they think they should be as a good woman. And one thing that I love about what my friend Candy is her name, who helped me do my project is she said, you don't have to be a minimalist, be an intentionalist. And she basically, she was saying, you don't have to get rid of everything. Keep the stuff you love. If you love a lot of things, keep the things you love, but be intentional about what you bring into your life, what you have in your home and make it fit you instead of some like outside standard Pinterest or some other standard we've been handed of how our home should look, but also of how we should be as mothers. So that's the overarching concept of the Declutter Your Motherhood course. I love that so much because I went through a similar decluttering experience and it's crazy. The stuff that I couldn't get rid of, no shocker here, had nothing to do with being a mom. (laughs) It's always been a little bit more of my issue is don't put that mom hat on my head. I'm I'm everything, right? Mm -hmm. And I had such a hard time letting go of my art and crafting supplies Mm. that I really wasn't using at the time. And it's interesting because that was probably eight years ago. And in the last couple of years, as I've been healing and coming back to certain aspects of myself, I am paying off the beads that I put on my credit cards. I have been repurchasing a lot of art supplies there is no part of me, and I, sh- I share this because I feel like you're going to be able to make this work somehow, but there's, there's no part of me that has been like, I shouldn't have given that away. I shouldn't mm. have let that go. At the time, it wasn't untrue, 
But it's so cool to know that there's a time when those certain things might come back into my life and they have been coming back into my life. And so I love this idea, but they're all so intentional. Yes, absolutely. They're all so intentional. And so how do you take that very physical concept and apply it to something like motherhood? Yeah. I mean, it's abstract, but as you were talking, Allison, I feel like I have watched you do in a declutter in your own life over the last five, six years. Yeah, I have, huh? That is true. And, And in some ways, not in some ways, the opposite of what someone might think of as a declutter like you're saying, you brought a lot of more stuff back in that really made you and totally correct me if I'm wrong, but from the outside looking in and as your friend, it seemed like for a while there, you were so focused on your business and doing what the guru said needed to happen for growth, for productivity, that you were arts and crafts doesn't fit with my overarching business model. And so I have to put that aside as you've become more comfortable in the last few years and healed and like really owned who you are. You've been like, who cares if it doesn't fit in my business? It makes me happy. And I want to do the crafts and the plants and the crystals, and I'm going to bring them in even though it might not be minimal-ish or or whatever. And so it's been a real joy for me to see you go through this decluttering process, which actually meant in your case, bringing in a lot more. I think I see you and consider you an abundance person. Thank you. I love that. You know, you have, yes. And that's, (laughs) and I tell my women that in my workshops, again, I'm not saying you need to be a minimalist. Some women are abundance women and they want They want life and joy and beauty and crafts and activities. And they're super happy when their life is incredibly full of animals or whatever it might be. Other women, when they get down to the heart of it, recognize I can't do all of the abundance. I need to streamline. We, I need to be way more conscious about what I bring in. And the point is figuring out what you need and owning who you are and believing that is good instead of always thinking I should be some other way. So I love that you said this conversation is as much for non-mothers as it is for mothers, because we all do this in our lives where we start to follow the shoulds instead of actually following our deeper knowing. Oh, I love that so much. And thank you. I don't, I got like emotional when you were saying that. And I'll tell you why, because this is what I've been describing to people I'm close to, where I feel like what happened is this momentum that I've had of being Allison my entire life, it was very focused on what I'm achieving and accomplishing and creating and my purpose and my mission and my message. And all of that is super great. And it happens to also be my work. It Mm. happens to be both. And then I got married and had babies and life started fitting in the crevices around that. And so when you, what you said is very accurate. I decluttered now, not everybody has to be as extreme as me because I love to deconstruct. And so I blow it all up Mm -hmm. and I blow it up, bring it to the ground, raise it, like just demolish it. And then build back in from there. And I feel Mm. like what shifted for me is the cornerstone and the core of my life is my life. 
Mm. my relationships. It's my relationship with myself. It's my relationship with divinity. And it's this like quiet Mm. knowing of just who I am. And then I'm slowly and clumsily and very imperfectly. And it feels super frustrating. And my ego has taken so many hits because I'm like building back up work around my life. And it's so good, but it's so hard because it doesn't look good to anybody else. It looks good to me. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. From the outside looking in, there was a time where I, you were really struggling and that didn't look good to me. I knew you were really struggling and my heart ached for you, but I also knew that you were going to be okay because of, I knew you were doing this work. And now that you're coming back out and you're bringing in back in the, bringing in slowly how you want to bringing the work back in. It's beautiful for me to watch as an outsider. It's a perfect example of what I believe about decluttering anything in your life. And you said like, that you like to blow it all, bring it all down and <laughs> slowly add back in. Yeah. That's not necessarily a bad thing, Allison, yeah. <laughs> because sometimes it takes a full reset. Like yeah. it takes a, in my course, I talk about how my friend taught me that we had to actually empty the closet. And mm-hmm. I was like, why would we do that? We can just thumb through the stuff that's in the closet and make decisions. And she said, no, this is will be an entirely new level of consciousness if you take everything out of the closet, lay it out, put it in categories, wipe down the closet and decide what deserves to go back in. Mm. And it's the same for your life. There's times sometimes when you need to take everything out of your schedule for a season and say, what deserves to go back in? And that's essentially what you did for that year that you really turned inward and healed and soul searched and everything, and then slowly decided what deserves to go back in because my life is going to come first and the other stuff can come around it instead of work and productivity and everything coming first. So I love watching it because I like you. Thank you. I like you have a tendency to go all in on work, all in on contribution. And it's when you've built something, it's hard to consider, could I really just stop doing this? Or could I, I mean, burn it all down as a strong phrase, but could I pause it and decide consciously what deserves to come back in? And what I thought was pausing, like truthfully, is burning all, it was burning it all down. So Mm -hmm. it was a little surprising when I was like, I just paused. I totally paused to be like, oh, I burned it down. That's what needed to happen. Yes. However, it was, I can, it's easy in our lives to be like, that person has that problem and they need to heal. They need to heal that trauma. They need to heal that wound because their hurt is affecting me now. Also, psycho babble, emotionally intelligent, blah, 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 blah. Like the queen of it right here, okay? We're like, they need to heal because I did it. And lately I've been like, and it was really hard, huh, Allison? Mm. And maybe they don't have the resources or the, it's like, it is both a necessity and a privilege to heal because mm. it requires resources. And I didn't think I had those resources, but apparently I did. 
And so coming back to it, it's, I don't know, I have more empathy for why people don't handle their crap. Oh, yeah. Because it's not easy to do. No, it is not (laughs) easy to do. And there's a part of me, like when I was going through it, where I'm like, I'm doing the hard work. You go do your hard work. It's not fair that I'm doing the hard work and Mm -hmm. you're not doing it. And now that I'm feeling more not in that open wound place, but the Mm -hmm. wound, there's still maybe like some covering over it, but it's it's self-contained a little more. It's not so like oozing to be with a graphic wound description. I felt like a big oozing wound before. And now it feels like that was a big, it was a big sacrifice. And I didn't understand what a big sacrifice it is. And I wouldn't undo it, but it was a big sacrifice. It makes me less judgmental (laughs) where they might just not be in a place where they can blow up it, it can blow up right now, or maybe they're, they don't have the people in their life or the, whatever it is. So I just have to allow them their timeline. So now I want to talk, I want to learn. I'm so interested in your course and not from a point of, I'm trying to sell everybody on the course, but I believe in you. So I will sell everybody on the course, <laughs> but like, wow, like motherhood, like what are, what's, what are the problems with motherhood? How, yeah. how does this help for motherhood, like specifically for the mother, because I'll tell you where I'm at with Fiona. Okay. Fiona's seven Mm -hmm. and she is fire. She's fire. She's Sagittarius fire. (laughs) And she is justice and she's mad. And if she's mad, she's going to keep telling you she's mad. She wants to be heard. And I've started to, this is the first time in my life. I've been like, maybe I need a parenting course. Or maybe I need a coach or I need help because I notice that everyone in the family is complaining about Fiona. And Mm. then it turns into a story where we're like, oh, Fiona did this and Fiona did that. And I was like, okay, we got to not, it can't be the family versus Fiona. Fiona is in the family. We can't be talking about Fiona. Mm. But when there is a member of the family that is pushing people's buttons, it's very difficult to not go to that. So I, I just will take advantage of your expertise in this moment and tell you my problem and maybe it will help you speak to the greater problem. <laughs> yeah, I honestly have no, I feel like the more I learn about parenting, the more I realize I have no expertise in parenting and no, and that no one does. I respect that. I respect <laughs> that answer a lot. It's, yeah. it, it, your child, your situation, it's all so different. So yes, there are principles of parenting that experts can give you, but nobody knows your kid and your situation. And so I, just with that caveat, I love that. I would say that I feel like what you probably do instinctively is what the experts would tell you to do, which is to validate (laughs) really, which is to like validate emotions, Mm. to love deeply in spite of behaviors, to stick it out in like that her fire will never go away. But, but the behaviors, the hard behaviors surrounding her fire will start to lessen as she gets older and she has more ability to self-regulate a lot of it with these fiery kids of which I have one is like modeling emotional resilience and waiting for them to eventually pick up on it. And (laughs) 
eventually. Yeah. And like, I I've started to see the fruits of that with my son is 11. He'll be 12 this summer. He is so fire. It's hard to even describe. And like, for me to see that all of this, like emotion coaching that I've done with him since he was little of explaining to him what the emotion was, not shaming the emotion, showing him better ways to deal with the emotion, standing up for him when other members of the family are ganging up on him, all those things. He's starting now to be able to regulate himself. And I know that's going to be an up and down thing through his teen years and into adulthood, but it's really rewarding for me to see it worked. Being like being the kind of compassionate parent that comes pretty naturally to me. And there were times when I was like, should I be sterner? Should we have more like discipline and everything? But I just defaulted to, no, I'm just going to love him for who he is and teach him about these emotions. It's paid off for him. And I know it will for Fiona too. So I don't know if that's like the best answer, but. So I feel like that gives a really good preview as to your approach. So how does decluttering motherhood help me do that? Yeah. So yes, I totally get what you're saying. Decluttering your motherhood. My course is more about, it's about decluttering your shoulds. So in your example, I don't think you have this should, but another mom might have the should that her children should behave a certain way because that makes her a good mother. So if you have a really intense, hard kid, then you're constantly feeling embarrassed. You're feeling ashamed. Okay, so my should is, I do have them. My should is, I was raised with parents that were very like on us about tone. Don't use that tone of voice. Don't talk like that. Don't talk like this. We don't speak like that. Do I, do I rip myself to shreds? in the past for every word uttered from my mouth. Yes. Are those two things correlated? Probably. Yes. When I hear Fiona taking this tone and this attitude of, I would have never spoken to my parents like that, which okay is good. So there's part of me that like viscerally is like, this is not okay. This should not be happening. I, she's disrespectful. She's a monster. She doesn't know her place with adults and children because like, I'll say, Hey, Fiona, we got to go to school. It's time to go to school. And she'll be like, it's my body and you can't make me (laughs) like legit. And like, it's okay. It is her body. (sighs) Yes. But it's, the part of me that like fights is this like part of me that's you don't get to talk to mom and dad that way. It's like yes. a little girl version of me and an adult version of me. And then it's okay, but I don't want to police tone because I can see how policing tone negatively affected me. So I just don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, in that particular example, which I can't believe how much she sounds like my son. Um, <laughs> I think that you, it's not that you just allow any behavior, but it's that you validate the emotion before you correct. You connect okay. before you correct. Okay. So you might say to her, like, you have to be the adult, which is really hard sometimes. It's, it's hard because I start acting like a freaking teenager. Oh, 100%. Because she, she talks to me in this way. And I start talking back in the same way. I know. And I'm not proud of it, Rachel. And you feel, no, I get it. And you feel so justified and like, she can't talk to me like that. That's so disrespectful. But it's like taking a deep breath and being like, I'm the grown up, 
and I'm not going to respond with fire to fire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm going to get down on our level and say, I can hear that you really don't want to go to school today yeah. and validate that. And then start moving her towards getting ready for school. You don't even have to say, and you're going anyway. You can just say, I can hear you really don't want to go today. And then you just start making breakfast or whatever, and you start moving them that way. It can escalate to the point where maybe she literally won't go to school. And that's a different discussion. But I feel like validating and then later saying to her, or even in the moment, sometimes I pause and I say to my daughter, I'll take a deep breath. My daughter, who's not nearly as strong-willed as my son, but can she sometimes, I don't know if it's a eight-year-old girl thing, because she's she has that real mean tone. And I'll stop and I'll say... Can you say that again? Like I, it, so I don't feel like I'm tone policing. I'm not saying yeah. not, but I'll just say, Hey, I don't, it doesn't feel good to be talked to that way. Can you please say the same thing in a different way? And she can catch herself and fix it. Oh, and yeah. so it's this like loving, compassionate coaching, but it's really hard to do that as a parent when you are super stressed out, super frazzled, your life is so full that you don't even have the space or the room to be the parent that you want to be. And that's where I think it comes back to decluttering some of those like outside responsibilities and commitments that you have that you don't even care about. And saying, I want to make room in my life to connect with my kids and be able to have these moments where I can be their emotion coach and we can do social emotional learning because I know in my life, sometimes I am so busy that I literally don't have the bandwidth to parent like that. And then I'm just shouting, I'm hurting them out the door. They're mad, I'm mad. And it just doesn't feel like a fun way to parent at all. And so that's what I feel like decluttering your motherhood is less about your kids' behaviors. Like in that course, I'm not gonna go into how to manage all your kids' behaviors. I'm basically teaching you how to declutter your life so that you can figure out the kind of mom you wanna be and show up in that way for your kids. And when your life is too busy, Or you're weighed down by all the shoulds of the things that people are telling you, like the shame you have for the way your kids are acting because you think good moms don't have kids who act like that, then you can't show up for the real kids that you have. You're showing up for these imaginary perfect kids Mm -hmm. that you want to reflect well on you versus showing up for the kids you have and teaching them how to be good humans and teaching them your values. I love that so much because... What I essentially hear is make space, like the getting rid of the shoulds or, and here's the great thing, right? And this is why I think your course will be so beneficial for so many people. It's really not that easy to identify all the shoulds. Like I've no, okay. To be fair, I live and breathe this. You and I live and breathe this. Self-development. Self-development, noticing, observation. So I have noticed that this, there's this part of me that pops up and goes, you shouldn't talk like that. You're a child and I'm an adult. You shouldn't be so bold (laughs) as to speak to your mother. There's, but it wasn't until I heard you put it in that way that I was like, oh, oh, I have a should. I have a should. Right. Yes. Because it is hard to identify those shoulds So the decluttering, just like that beautiful example of pulling everything out of the closet, it's like those shoulds, you do need some guidance and some help sometimes 
to see those shoulds. And that's why when people are like, be nice to yourself, love yourself, accept yourself. That's cool. But there's probably an aspect of you that says a mom should do this. And you picked that up when you were five or you were six or you were 15 and you're carrying it with you and you have no idea that it's lurking in the back of the closet because it's covered in so much crap and busyness, Mm -hmm. and you can't find it to take it out of the closet and make space without kind of some compassionate, gentle guidance. Yes. And that's what I've noticed is that's what I've needed coaches and therapists. I had a great session (laughs) with my therapist yesterday where I felt so much like I, I just have, I want to move forward. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to create. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I just keep running into a wall and I'm like, it's not that I don't have momentum. It's not that I don't have drive. Like I'm all here. What, what is this? Mm -hmm. And it was through talking to her and and looking at there's pieces of me a p- one little piece of me that is just stuck with this should be like this and this shouldn't be this way and until i looked at her that little piece that little should and gave it a new job gave that piece of me a new assignment like a new truer assignment that truly serves me And not what, like maybe five-year-old Allison who created that idea, that should, right? So I just, I feel that it's, I feel different today. I feel different and it's nothing changed. And it's interesting when I said, I'm like, it doesn't look good. And you're like, no, it looks good to me. And I'm like, oh, let me reframe that. It doesn't make my body look hot and my bank account look hot. And those are a couple of things that I wanted (laughs) to look real good. Oh, maybe my soul looks beautiful, but like my butt is not as good as it was. So I just want like this. (laughs) Don't you wish that all of the inner work like showed on the outside? It'd be amazing. And lately I've been on a kick lately where I'm like, hey, if anybody is selling you healing, that involves you looking really hot, I would think twice. (laughs) If some, listen, you can look hot while you heal. In my experience, when you declutter, right? When you reassess, in my experience, you empty that closet, it gets a little bit messier before it gets cuter. So much messier. And if somebody tells you that you can declutter your closet without taking all the junk out, like you can make it look Pinteresty as you're decluttering it, then that's not realistic. And yeah, I feel like in the middle of my big home declutter, there were definitely moments when I thought we've made this so much worse. We had pulled everything out and I was so overwhelmed and I thought we should have just left it. It wasn't that bad. What have we done? And I think that when you're doing inner work and healing, there's definitely moments where you're dragging stuff out and you're realizing things about yourself that are hard and painful. And you think, what have I done? I, now I can never unsee what I see. I can never unknow what I know. And it was fine how it was. Why didn't I just leave it? But it's so worth it. It's like having an infection that you don't want to clear out because it'll be painful to clear it out. But once you clear it out, you can heal. 
So going through that messy middle where it's not pretty and it doesn't look good and it doesn't feel good is the only way to get to more clarity, more space, more room for joy in a physical decluttering as well as an internal decluttering. I love that so much. So to nod to three and 30, okay? Rachel's podcast, three and 30, it's, she's incredibly thoughtful and planned and succinct, the complete opposite of me. But but you and I both love the same thing, which is like the tangible takeaway. So if we were going to craft a tangible three takeaway, I'll give you one because I really like one for decluttering your motherhood or whatever else. Let's just say decluttering your motherhood. Okay. For me, one of my tangible takeaways from this conversation is the decluttering like starts with noticing the shoulds. So that's one thing where it's been really helpful for me. Like I'm going to start noticing when I'm interacting with Fiona and interacting with my other kids, what kind of script is running in my head that is supplying me with shoulds? They shouldn't do that. I should do this. This should be this way. That should be that way. Because even right there for me, I feel like that's such a good first action item that like, I can just start noticing and even like noticing, oh, I feel like Fiona should speak this way. That is very different than me saying Fiona's behavior is making it difficult for the family to run smoothly. How can I support her? in noticing her behavior and wanting to pivot in some ways as she develops. That is a completely different, like the, like right there, just from noticing that I'm like, oh, I was putting a shit on it. Okay. So if you were maybe going to come up with two other tips or ideas or benefits, some mm. takeaways for yeah. decluttering your motherhood, do you like, did I put you on the spot? I feel like you're going to yeah. I feel like you're good at this. You did put me on the spot. I know. Uh, <laughs> but I wrote a whole course about this. So let me, yeah. I can pull some, yeah, pull I some believe takeaways out. Yes. Okay. So I think that noticing the shoulds, like you said, as they come up for you is a great first step. I think that, I think that noticing, okay, this is, these are nebulous, but stay with me. I, I think that recognizing and knowing your values is really important within parenting and noticing that. So here's the tangible takeaway. When something, when you're not able to parent the way that you want to parent and you are in a moment where you're like, I'm not parenting the way that I want to parent. Instead of using that as a trigger to shame yourself, ask yourself, what value of mine is being undermined right now that's making it so that I can't parent the way that I want to parent? Does that make sense? I have, like, I, my jaw dropped. This is so good. This is so good. Okay, so can we put that into an example? Meaning, okay, so what value of mine, when I start acting like a teenager with Fiona and we're going toe to toe, And like somebody should film it because it is pretty entertaining (laughs) because both of us have more facial expressions than any one person can have. 
Yes. Like the amount of attitude. I can only imagine. Yeah, it's pretty cute. So in that moment, like instead of saying I shouldn't, like what value of mine is being undermined? Right. What value of mine is being undermined? I think generally we act out of alignment when our value, when we're not, when our value is being undermined. Okay. Start to act out of alignment. So what does that mean? So like I have a real value for connection. Okay. Love it. And my son, we spend a lot of time at our family cabin and there's a lot of people packed into this little cabin and it's very hard to get the kind of connection that I crave with my kids in that environment. And that makes me start to be a really distracted, not intentional mom. So it's not even like I'm lashing out at them. I'm just like ignoring them. I just let them do whatever they want. And it, yes. and I feel sick about it and I feel guilty about it. And I'm like, why am I not intervening? Like, why am I not... My son's been playing like 12 hours of video games and I don't even care. And so then I start to shame spiral about I'm not a good mom. And I'm like, no, actually this environment undermines my ability to connect with my kids, which is really important to me. And so I'm not a bad mom. This is a really hard environment. And so I'm going to go up and proactive tell Noah, we're going for a walk together or we're going to go home and spend the night at our house instead of being at this family cabin. And so it's just that like next level of awareness around what I value and what's not being met in that moment. Yeah. I'm trying to think with Fiona because I really do value, I value speaking to my children respectfully. Yeah. I, I value respectful communication. I also value direct communication. And so I have been, it's been brought to my attention that sometimes when I'm feeling passionate about something, it sounds like I'm yelling and I'm not yelling. I'm just emphatic. Yes. (laughs) And that's when you've probably been tone policed. Yes. Yes. And so I think the, I think the reason why I feel so icky about the exchange with Fiona, and it's funny because I immediately want to be like, she's, it's like, she's the cabin. She's undermining my ability to blame it on the child. That's mature, I'm sure. So like, where I'm like, okay, if I'm not blaming it on Fiona, undermining my ability, it's like, I value direct, clear and kind communication. I really value it. And so I can see why this would be triggering yes. <laughs> for me when both I'm not being spoken to that way and I'm not speaking that way. Yes. I start speaking kind of sarcastic or snotty and I'm like, who is, who's this monster Talking to a seven-year-old, like a snotty, like Disney teen character, right? It's still PG, but it's snotty. Yes. And so I think that is such a cool idea. So to like recap for takeaway number one, it's like just noticing those shoulds. And then I really kind of like takeaway number two is that there is a value being undermined that is causing those shoulds to get triggered into action. 
Yes. Is that absolutely. it? Did we yes. hit it? Yes. Okay. I think Love so. Love that. And so when you start looking through the lens of values, you start to see other people's behavior differently. And you're like, oh, this person values this. I value this. And that's why we're not seeing eye to eye. But you have to start like looking at yourself and interactions you have with other people through the lens of values. That's that's amazing because Eric is a peacemaker, a diplomat and a peacemaker. He values peace and I value peace but not as much as I value clear communication. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so sometimes when he's like kind of pussyfooting around the bush with like, he's saying things in a diplomatic way. I'm like, use sentences, direct sentences. Say it (laughs) clearly. Like I get. Yes, totally. There's a values mismatch there. Yes, there's a values mismatch. And so I love that when you're like, So if I just remember (laughs) that I value this and let's be honest, it's my superpower. It's like how I operate in the world is language communication. Like I, I took this modified version. It was a really cool version of the, like your gifts. What is it called? Uh, Love languages, love love languages. But it was like a a different version where it was focusing on, it combined some of them. Anyway, I took it with a group of people at a course and they told me I was really impressed with myself and a little bit embarrassed. They had never had a person that scored higher in verbal. Wow. Like verbal meaning like my love language and words of affirmation, like words of affirmation. Like they're like, I was so verbal. Like they're like, you've never seen this much and they didn't know me at all and they're like so if like we had to guess you might be a person who writes and podcasts and I was like "Uh (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) yeah I know it was really cool and it's been helpful to know how much I value words and conversation and language and speaking because some people just don't value it as much it doesn't mean everything to them yes and, and like I'm yeah. the same way, Allison, and my husband is so quiet. Yes. And so it's been interesting for me to realize that he's never going to, he's never going to shower me with words of affirmation. That's not how he moves through the world. Yeah. But that he loves me deeply. Yeah. I've had to like, see, we have different values. We have different strengths and it works. So isn't yeah. that funny that sometimes we're drawn to the opposite of ourselves in a lot right. of like last night I opened up to Eric and I told him this happened and this happened and I was telling him about my therapy session that was so great it was pretty vulnerable and he uh-huh. was really tired he was really tired yeah uh-huh. and I was like just bopping around the room and he was in bed all snuggly and I know the sound of my voice starts to lull him to sleep <laughs> oh no so he stayed awake And then I walked around the corner to like brush my teeth. And then I just stopped and I said, do you love me? Do you like me? And he was like, why do you ask me that? Allison, Ryan and I have this conversation every week. I'm like stunned right now because I literally say, do you love me? I will tell you what I said. And then I'm open to interpretation, right? I'm not saying it's correct or right or good. I'm just saying this is what I said and did. I said, you know what? I opened up and talked a lot about something that was really vulnerable Mm. and you're really tired. And so you didn't say very much. So I start to feel really vulnerable and self-conscious 
And rather than get upset at you that you don't talk enough, because then that's another conversation we have a lot, right? Rather than doing that whole song and dance, I just was trying to make it really easy for you to give me what I needed. Because I just wanted to hear you say and affirm that even after I told you all this crazy stuff about me, you like me and you love me and you're into me. Yes. Uh, And I need to hear you say the words. So I thought I was just doing you a solid by just having you answer a question. This This is is so good. Allison, this is so good. This is my marriage. You just described it. And Ryan takes that question as a, like an offense. I must not be showing, I must not be showing you love. You must not feel very loved by me if you have to ask that. And I'm like, no, I just need you to tell me. I just need to hear it. Yeah. And especially like you said, after I like revealed myself, I opened and was vulnerable. And I was like, and I just, it was good because I was just in a playful mood. And I was like, I just thought I was being really generous. Like, I'm, I don't want to make a fight. You're tired. I want to let you go to bed. And I need to hear that you love me. So there you go. You're welcome. Yep, yep. totally. I think you handled that beautifully. That sounds like emotionally mature conversation there's, of being able also, to express. I can see on one hand, like there's a should, there's a should part of me that comes in and is you shouldn't have to have somebody else say it and you should blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and exactly. I just was like, eh, that's a problem for another day. Yeah, totally. If it's a problem, it's a problem for another day. I can only do so much. And there's also the should of, I shouldn't have to ask him. He should know me well enough by now. And it's stop shooting on him. Just accept who he is, accept who you are. And I think you did do him a solid by just saying, okay, this is what I need right now. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, I posed it in a question. So you only had to say one word. Like it was like, yes. I'm like, cool, go to bed. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. So I love that. What do you think takeaway number three about decluttering either how we can declutter our motherhood or what the benefits of that are? I think I want my third takeaway to be what the ben- what one of the benefits are. I love it. And that is that that- to make room when you declutter your motherhood, you make room for more joy. Oh. And that's why it's worth doing this. Because it's hard. Again. <laughs> it's hard freaking work. It is. And you get in the messy middle and you think, why did I bring all this stuff out? And I should have just left it. And the reason why is because you're making space and room for joy in your life. And that's absolutely worth it. And look at the mess that you went through in the last few years. But I see that you have made room for more of yourself. You've made room for joy. I see that in your that light in your eyes now when I talk to you, that you went through that hell to make room for more joy. Yeah. And it's there. And it's there in those moments when I'm just watching a show with my kids. Mm. And I have realized, you'd want to know one of my favorite things to do with my kids is watch TV. And I have zero shame about it. Love it. We started watching Monk. And it's like from the early 2000s. And sometimes it's a little scary for Fiona. So she closes her eyes. But it's just been this like really special thing that the kids and I, because I'm more available, I can sit and I'm not on my phone during the show. I'm not doing other things during the show. We watch the show together and we talk and we guess what's going to happen next. And we guess what the mystery is. And I just hear my, we talk about it so much. And for a a moment, there was this, I'm just like watching 
TV with my kids. Like, I, like, but then we watch TV and then I might start doing some embroidery and then Fiona brings in her embroidery. And then we start doing embroidery together or gender learn crochet just because I've been sitting around and being just, I'm just sitting around more. The only reason I can sit around is because I decluttered all of those things that made it feel unsafe to sit still. Oh, that's beautiful, Allison. And yeah. so when I've decided that one of my only jobs as a parent is to find joy in my children. Uh, and so when you said that, it just hit me because I was like, when I find joy in them, their bad behavior is delightful. And <laughs> it's funny and it's impressive. And when I like Fiona's impressive in her rage, like I, I admire it. And like I had to get really sick and have my whole body break down to learn how to get as mad as Fiona gets. She just came to this earth knowing how to get mad. Like she did. And I don't want to take that away from her. And she's I, very lucky to have a mom that doesn't want to squash that out of her. I'm a, I'm trying, right? Like, yeah, like, it's beautiful. Yeah. It, uh, with my parents, and you've had my mom on your podcast. But she's amazing. She's so great. My mom, she's paying for my therapy right now. And I appreciate it so much. I just, I'm so lucky that she's in a financial position. Normally I would pay for it, but it just, and so I say to my kids, my mom's paying for my therapy and I'll do everything I can to be able to pay for yours. <laughs> yes. When I first started going to therapy, my dad paid for my therapy. So go. I think this there is, <laughs> yeah. And so. Yeah. So if I'm attempting and whatever I don't do, there's help down the road. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. And Allison, I have to say what, I don't know how exactly how you worded it, but we need to re-listen when this podcast comes out, we need to re-listen, pull the quote. And I want you to embroider it or do something crafty with it. That you said something like my job is to enjoy my children or yeah. my only goal as a parent is to find joy in my children. Oh. It's because I can't tell you when I reframed having kids with like, when I find joy in them, I'm not trying to make them someone they're not. I'm not like, like, it's crazy how like constructive it actually is. It's the base of good motherhood. I really believe that. And in whatever way you need to enjoy your children in whatever unique, I'm not saying it has to look the same for every mom, but if you yeah. are living a life that is so packed with activities and shoulds that you can't enjoy your children, then you're missing out and they're missing out. And yeah. so take away all of the shoulds of how it should look. Who cares if you'd rather watch shows with your kids than read them books? Some people yeah. would be like, oh, I'm a bad mom if I don't read to my kids. No, if I love reading to my kids. So that genuinely brings me great joy to do it. It fits me great. If that doesn't fit another mom, who cares? Do something that you love to do with your kids because the key is figuring out how to build a motherhood that you love and that your kids know that you love. Mm. Not that you love every minute of it, but that they know that you genuinely enjoy them and like that you value who they are as people. To me, that is what makes a good mother. That is so beautiful. I'm 
so grateful to you and the work that you do and the love that you have and all of the crap you've healed from to be this magnificent of a person. Oh, I just love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that you created a course because that is a gift. And we forget as creators, we forget that it is a beautiful offering and a gift and an invitation to joy for people that you made. So awesome. And it's not a money grab, right? Like you can be like, it can be a pricing and it's like, no, let's help people. And I appreciate you so much because I know that's always your intention is how can I serve? How can I help? And I feel so helped just from this conversation. So I'm super excited to dive into the course more because heaven knows I need it and I want it. (laughs) So thank you for that. And I also just want to highly recommend your podcast to everybody. They probably are already listening. It's such a well-known, beautiful podcast. But if for some reason they don't know about it, they're going to have a real treat. Is there anything else you want to leave where they can find you? Yeah. I want to say, Allison, I don't know if you remember this because it was a long time ago, but about four years ago, maybe even five years ago, I was feeling really burned out in my work and my business. And I took a giant pause. Things grew really fast with my podcast, which I'm grateful for. But that first year it like spiral, it snowballed and I was overwhelmed and I paused and you said, come talk to me. Let's talk through it. And you were like talking through my different offerings with me. And you said, you have this great workshop that you teach live. You need to turn it into an audio course so that more women can be blessed. I did by see it. that. You did. did. <laughs> yes. And if anybody like like, wants to hear that conversation, it was the very first episode of your business therapy podcast. <gasps> That's right. Yeah, oh my gosh, so- we'll link to that. We'll link to that. So you told me back then, this is a great way you could, so you're not having to show up live all the time. So you can save more energy for your family and your life. And so more women can access it. And it took me four years or whatever it is, but I finally created the course you told me to create all those years ago. So thank you for that push. And if anybody's interested in getting the course, you can get that at 3in30podcast.com slash declutter. And I created a discount code for your people that <gasps> you, yeah. So if you put in uh, Allison with one L, one L, <laughs> then you'll get 10% off. It's all audio. So you can listen to it on a private podcast feed while you're on the go with your kids, with your family. I tried to make it really accessible for busy moms. And I'm just really proud of how it turned out. And even though I'm like, why did this take me four years? I think I needed that time to really refine what I wanted to say. And so it just feels so good to finally have it out in the world. I'm so happy for you. And you know what? I I talked to my book agent today and I haven't talked to him since my book came out. And I was like, I'm so glad this book came out after the pandemic because it's a different world. And I think your course, Mm. We needed your, like, we needed your course right now. Not that we didn't need it then, but it's like, we need it right now. So that's why it's coming out right now because we need it right now. And so I'm, it's a different world we're living in, right? It is. And I'm so excited for you. I didn't even realize how full circle this was. Yeah, I I know. I was just excited about your course. And so I'm so excited. So thank you so much, Rachel. We'll link to everything in the show notes and you're wonderful. And I love you. Thank you for having me. I love you right back. You know what I love from that? Tell me. Intentionalism. Because we all got the catchphrase, 
minimalism going. And then people are like, oh, Allison, maximalism. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But I, I'm not just like more is more for the sake of more. I'm more is more for the sake of the, in- like I have an intention behind why I want the more. There, There is a reason there. And so I really loved throughout the conversation of, it's not just this idea of decluttering and becoming a minimal, 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 minimalist <laughs> to the point that it no longer reflects your truth. Yeah, It's this idea of there's intention with everything. And, and I've been employing this. I've been working on mindful eating, you know, even mindfully like bringing water, like when I'm taking in water, thinking about how it's cleansing, right? So just bringing that intention into everything. Now, it's exhausting. We can't do that all the time. Yeah, it's seasonal, right? Yeah. Also, remember um, Richie Norton was talking about how Marie Kondo had kids? Oh, yeah. And she's like, I'm not really doing this right now. Like... She's not. I bet she's doing. I bet she's doing a version of it well, that she yeah, doesn't maybe. even realize. Yeah, yes, yes, I don't yes. even know. But the point is, is there's seasons and there's different times yeah. where you are a more of a, a minimalist or maximalist. But intentionality is the most important key to all of it. I love it, and I love you. So we are going to link to Rachel's course. Hurry, 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 because I think it's done soon selling. But it doesn't matter. You can reach out to her and figure it out because it's going to be great. And also, I wanted to let you guys know, if you wanted to um, check out some intentionalism with me, Allison, if you wanted Allison to help you get intentional, I've got a really cool new offer I'm very excited about. It's called 90 Days to Get It Going, and I will be your 90-day guide. And that 90 Days to Get It Going, there are six 90-minute phone calls, and it's just for anybody who has anything, whether it is a shift in how you feel about yourself, or you want to write a book, or you want to start a conference, or you want to have more intentional uh, relationships uh, or creativity. Check it out. I'm going to link to it in the show notes, and it's just a really cool offer I'm excited to, to share with you guys. Eric. There's no one in the world who is a better cheerleader than Allison. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean it. Whenever I have some sort of like baby of an idea, you get in there, (laughs) you get your colorful colorful nails in there, and you basically will it to life in the best possible way. Anything I've done, you always... uh, you're just the best cheerleader to make it happen. So, well, thank you. People will be lucky to work to have you uh, be be on their team with whatever they're creating. And that's truly what it's inspired by. Is I was loving the power hours so much that I wanted to be able to create a little bit more of a long term relationship where I really do get to be on someone's team, but not this like never ending thing where it's like, I'm just, you're going to have to talk to me for the rest of your life to get stuff going. No, um, it's, it's going to be really cool. There's a lot more information about it. I appreciate you saying that, Eric. It is my truly favorite thing to do. I've realized, and I would be so, so honored if, you know, this sounds like something that you've kind of been needing a partner or some support in. Um, I would be so honored if you check it out, send in an application and we'll see if it's a good fit. Um, Eric, Mr. Eric Robertson, mm-hmm. it's been a minute. Okay. So are there any reviews? Yeah, there's a dandy. For ye old podcasting. Yeah. Uh, Marilee Litchfield says, I start- Oh, Marilee, thanks. Uh, do you know her? I feel like I do. Okay. Hi, Marilee. I feel like I know everybody. She though. says, I started to listen to Awesome with Allison a few years ago and love everything she and Eric share. They are, they are hilarious and have such a raw and real perspective. 
Listening to several of their episodes has made me consider and change so many aspects of my life, and I am so grateful. I really do always feel uplifted and awesome after listening to an episode because they are really good at telling you how awesome you are in so many Aww. different ways. I struggle with anxiety and depression, and hearing Allison and other guests on their show op- op- on their show openly share about their struggle of mental health has inspired me and made me want to change and be better about opening up about my own struggles. It has deepened my relationships, made me more confident and comfortable in my own skin. I'm so grateful for so many of the things that Allison preaches and love that she and Eric use their platform and following to do such an important and life-changing work. I also love that they love good music and so delicious as much as I do. <laughs> she must be in Utah. <laughs> See, I know. I told you. I think I know Marilee. Um, Marilee, we are going to send you my I'm Doing Awesome gratitude journal. Thank you so much for that review. You guys, I'm not going to lie. I'm sure nobody's shocked. It's been rough like re-entering the world. And I was listening to a podcast recently with Esther Perel, who I love. And she talked about this idea of disasters are relationship accelerators. So the pandemic or just lots of different things that have gone on in the world. Um, it has very much felt like there's this state of dis- disaster. And so many people I talk to feel like this, that things are in disarray. And I just really, really liked this idea of a relationship accelerator. Because essentially what I see that is, is it puts stress on the relationship. And I guess I bring this up because it might be helpful to you, but I also bring this up because Marilee, you leaving that comment, you listening to the podcast, those of you who are here after I took some time away, I needed to take some time away. Um, There was a worldwide disaster of the pandemic. We all needed to take some time away. The relationship has accelerated in a way where like, I feel like the connections I'm the connections that weren't going to really be there for the long term have fizzled, seem to fizzle out pretty quickly. And that can be abrupt and jarring. But I also really want to remember that in the same breath, that like every interaction means so much more. Not that it didn't mean more before, but I, I feel it more. I feel it more deeply. I appreciate it so much. And so that is my very lengthy way of saying thank you, Marilee, for that beautiful comment. Thank you for reminding Eric and I why we do this and how much it means to be able to be a part of your life. And if any of you are out there struggling with this idea of things have changed a lot and some people who used to be in your life are there, not there anymore or... Just really focusing on this idea of it was accelerated. We got put on the accelerated life path. It's pretty uncomfortable, but the truth and the beauty in these deep relationships is is coming up and out. And I'm I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really grateful you guys are here. Eric, do you feel like you're just going to delete all that like it was unnecessary prattle? <laughs> no way. No way. It's locked. It's locked in. Hey, thank you guys so much for being here. I want to remind you that only you can be you. And you are already as awesome as you need to be. Do you have a song for us, Boy Toy? Um, yeah. I, I did a project called Spirit Core. Oh, this is great. And uh, yeah, this is, this is like a... I, this is just a cool project. I produced this album and worked with this amazing vocalist. And this song is called Everything's Gonna Be Okay. It's like... Oh, I love this one. It's like 12 minutes. It's a journey. It's so good. But uh, I think it's a worthwhile one. 
So I love you all. Also embark check on the journey. Also check out my pad, my podcast, The Men Who Love God. It's going great. Everybody loves your podcast. Yeah. Everybody loves Eric. Oh, come on. Everybody. That's actually a really good name of a podcast. Everybody, well. And Raymond. If, if, if only it was true. <laughs> it is. Okay, I love you all. Most alone, I find myself in all this prayer.